0: Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal, to give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. Recently I was reading Psychology Today Online. By the way, welcome to The Well. I'm so glad you're with me today. But I was reading Psychology Today Online. And I like to read that. You know, I believe that every ology has its roots in theology. In other words, if you, know, you believe that God is the creator of everything, that God is the, the very ground and foundation of all that we can see, touch, smell, know. It all comes from God and will all go back to God. And so everything we study has its roots in God. So theology undergirds psychology, anthropology, biology, astrology, All those things are informed by our understanding of God. And so, I don't know why I'm saying that to you right now, but I just felt like saying it. So I was reading Psychology Today, and there was an article on being happy. And, you know, we all want to be happy. That kind of caught my eye. And so I started reading some of the the ways that you and I can help ourselves become happy. So let me share five of them with you. And two I like and two I don't like. I'm going to see if you can guess which ones. One, give yourself a self-confidence boost. Number two, learn to feel better about yourself. How to be happy. Number three, make positive memories. Number four, end patterns of negative thinking. Number five, live out your values. Now, as I said, I like some of those. Some of those I'm not so crazy about. I love the idea of living out your values, especially if our values are rooted in our relationship with God. I think that's a wonderful way that we become more and more happy. I think uh, making positive memories is a great way that we can become happier in negative patterns of thinking. Again, um, I take all that back to our understanding of who God is and what God has done for us in Christ and that we are a new creation. And so we can end that guilt, that negativity. You know, Remember, we've said before that God's adversary, Satan, is called a liar. He tells us that God doesn't know us, that God doesn't care. And he's also called the accuser. He tells us that we're guilty, that we're unlovable, that we're beyond repair, and so I just, I love that idea. But anyway, how to be happy? What about you? I think that's something that's on a lot of our minds. How can I experience happiness in my life? And here's what's challenging for us, I think. Often the people who really appear happy, who should be happy, who make us happy, are not. During the uh, COVID pandemic that we are hopefully coming out of in the absence of sports. I've been watching old reruns on YouTube of Saturday Night Live from back back in the day when I was a young person. And I love some of the characters, John Belushi and Chris Farley and Robin Williams. In fact, those are among my favorites, all three of them. Do you know all three of them died very tragic deaths? They battled issues related to mental health addiction. They made millions of people laugh. They had tons of money, notoriety. They had everything you could possibly ask for in life, from the outside at least. And what happened? They were not happy. Again, don't want to discount the mental health and the addiction. Of course, that's a huge piece of that. But just from the surface looking in, isn't it amazing that those we think should be happy and are happy are often not? So let's get at this in a unique way. I want to ask you a question. If your life circumstances never improved, never even changed from this moment on, could you be happy? In other words, if your marriage never got better, could you be happy? If your marital status never changed, if you're single and like, would like to be married, if that never changed, could you be happy? If nothing in your family dynamically in those relationships ever changed, could you be happy? If your career never improved, could you be happy? If your church never improved, and I know one that's Probably, people, probably have people thinking, oh, it's not going to improve. Uh, at least one I know of. If your church never improved, could you be happy? If your health never improved, could you be happy? Years ago, there was a movie, and I'm not a, as you know, I'm not a huge movie guy, but I do remember seeing the movie As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. And one of the scenes that is literally etched in my mind, uh, Nicholson's in some kind of mental health facility, and and it's kind of a grim place to be, and he gets this look on his face that is sort of devious and also inquisitive at the same time, and he just looks up and says, maybe this is as good as it gets. (laughs) So if your life is as good as it gets right now, can you experience happiness? So what I want to do is go through Psalm number one with you and look together at what God says to us about being happy. And so I want to dig in. Verse 1 of Psalm number 1. In fact, let's do the first two verses. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on God's law he meditates day and night. It begins with blessed. The entire book of Psalms, this is chapter 1, verse 1, begins with the concept of being blessed. And the Hebrew word for blessed can also translate to happy. And so what, we, what we're seeing immediately is the concept of happiness and being blessed is all over this book. And basically what we're going to see over time as we look at this book and as we look at this psalm is the different writers contrast those who walk with God and those who do not. And so in verse 3, those who do walk with God, here's what it says, they're like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers so the image of those who are walking with god is they're like trees planted by water think about deep roots and prospering and bearing fruit year after year after year that's what the person who walks with god is like on the other hand those who do not verse 4 not so for the wicked they are like the chaff that the wind blows away what is chaff Chaff is like the outer shell of a seed or a berry, and so I'm thinking about a coffee bean, for example. Uh, occasionally, I like to roast my own coffee beans. My wife doesn't like the way it makes our house smell. So if she's gonna be gone all day and I'm at home, I might just take to the old roaster. So on my stovetop I roast these beans, and once they're roasted, I take those beans and put them into some kind of little, what do you call those little sifty trays? Oh, a strainer. Put them into a wire strainer, take them outside, and just bounce that strainer up and down, and the chaff, that burned outer shell, just basically disintegrates into the air, and dissipates, just kind of goes up into the air, and what's left is the good, flavorful, roasted bean. The wicked are like that chaff. They just kind of dry up and blow away. And so then this unknown author, we don't know who wrote Psalm 1. You know, Asaph wrote some psalms. David wrote some psalms. We don't know about the author of this psalm, but he then, or she, illustrates and explains some of the things that we humans tend to look to as a source for happiness that do not lead to happiness. So we all have these ideas of what's going to make us happy, these sources for happiness that really just don't work, kind of like give yourself a self-confidence boost from psychology today. So he gives us two. So let me just go ahead and work through these. The first thing that we think is going to make us happy, that cannot make us happy, I would just term our circumstances. The way life is going right now. Because our circumstances are always changing. As you know, I've got a 24-year-old son who I love more than anything, and he just graduated from college. And he's a lot like his dad in some ways. He's a lot better off than his dad was at age 24 in a lot of ways, but his name is Davis. Davis, throughout his entire life, has been looking for the next thing, always. So when he was in junior high, I can't wait to get to high school. When he got to high school, I can't wait to get my driver's license. When he got his driver's license, I can't wait to wait to go away to college. When he went away to college, he said, I can't wait to graduate. And that took us a couple years. After he graduated, I can't wait to get a job. I can't wait to get into this new management training program. He was always looking for the next thing. We call it the when-then syndrome. When this happens, then I'm going to be happy. When I have this, then I'll be satisfied. When I can do this, then I'm going to find joy. A when-then syndrome. and I've been like that my whole life too. Just kind of looking ahead to the next best thing. Our circumstances will not make us happy because a lot of us are always kind of looking for the next thing. I'm interested in the, in the use of the word season in verse 3. You know, The psalmist writes, Yields its fruit in season. And here what happens is the writer reminds us that life is a series of seasons that we go through. I mean, think about it. You go through seasons. I go through seasons. Good seasons, bad seasons. We have the springtime of life. There's growth. There's new life. There are favorable conditions for flourishing. Sometimes we go through dry seasons like the heat of the summer we just feel parched and withering we go through times of great harvest when all this we've been working for is finally coming to fruition and we feel so good about where life is we go through seasons of winter cold and dark and times of death I think we can all agree that you and I pass through these seasons and here's the thing sometimes we pass through all four in the very same week one of my favorite authors reminds us that the 21st century approach to life is to avoid the challenging seasons at all costs. And so when we're going through these seasons of being dry and parched, or we go through the winter of life, seasons of cold and death and darkness, we just want to pass through those or avoid those at all costs. We sedate, we mask, we avoid. But you and I know, folks, no matter how hard we try, We will experience all the seasons of life, both good and bad, and therefore, you and I need something deeper than our circumstances to influence our level of happiness, because our circumstances are ever-changing. I mean, I think about flowers that we plant. Uh, There are perennials and there are annuals. An annual flower often comes from a seed, think of a zinia, my wife loves to Plant zinnias in the backyard, You know, rough up the, the soil a little bit just below the surface, plant the seed, the flower grows, blooms, you enjoy it, it withers, it dies, it goes away forever. That's an, an annual. A perennial, on the other hand, comes back year after year. A perennial comes from a bulb that is buried deeper into the ground, 8, 10 inches deep, maybe even a foot deep into the ground, and the bulb has that energy, and the bulb absorbs the energy from the from the, uh, the plant life, once it's um, absorbing the sun, you know it's growing. And there's just a difference between something that comes and goes quickly, something that comes back every year, something that's on the surface, and something that's been buried, buried deep below. Don't even know what I'm trying to say here, you all, with that, other than the psalmist wants us to know that we're going to pass through seasons and how deep is our root system. I love what he writes in Psalm 4, verse 7 you have filled, and I don't know if it's the same psalmist, I don't think it is, probably. You have filled my heart with greater joy than others who abound in grain and new wine. In other words, he's reinforcing that notion that you and I can experience joy in spite of our circumstances because we have the Lord with us. Even those who are abounding in grain and new wine, and that is just emblematic for, hey, life is good. We can experience greater joy when we're not going through those great seasons. Let me jump to one other thing. So the first thing he says is, hey, if you're looking for your circumstances to make you happy, it's not going to work. That's what God says. The second thing I think God says to us through the psalmist is, you and I will not experience happiness if we have only ourself as our anchor in life. In other words, if you or I, if, if, if I am only looking to myself as my source for happiness, I will never experience it. And the word I'm interested in here is the word roots. Verses 3 and 4. The tree planted, verse 4, that the wind blows away. So you have this image of the tree being planted by the stream of water. Just think deep and powerful roots. Think about even that perennial bulb contrasting with that that the wind just blows away. No roots anchored to nothing. Think about that dying withering flower. In our yard, we have a sycamore tree. I say it's a sycamore tree. I'm pretty sure it is. I might have to look at that more closely, but I, I believe it's a sycamore tree. I really do live there. It's probably a hundred years old. It's massive. In fact, if that tree ever falls to the south east, I hope we're all gone from the house because if we're not gone from the house, we'll be gone. And so by that huge sycamore tree, we like to put our yard debris that's picked up on Tuesday morning. So you'll see dead limbs just lying there beneath the tree. And it's a striking image because sometimes you'll see like the wind blows and some of those limbs are just rolling down the street almost like a tumbleweed right next to this massive sycamore tree. I just love that image of the strength, the rootedness, the connectedness, the anchor versus that which is completely unfettered and completely disconnected. And that image, I think, addresses a misconception that you might have that I've had sometimes too. And that is that happiness comes from being absolutely free to do whatever we want, to being completely unanchored, completely unfettered. We're happy if we can make our own rules. We're happy if we can be accountable to no one. We can be happy if we're our own master. I mean, I know... And I'm sure you do, too. I've read about some of the wealthiest people on this planet, people who can literally buy anything they want, do anything they want, go anywhere they want, and yet they're profoundly happy. Why? Because they are anchored to nothing outside of themselves or themselves. You know, They can do whatever they want. And what they discover eventually, like Solomon knew and wrote about in Ecclesiastes, it's all vanity, all this stuff. It's a chasing after the wind. Solomon concludes Ecclesiastes with this, when it's all said and done, fear God and keep His commandments. In other words, live an anchored, rooted life. You know, that that life that is completely unanchored or anchored only in self, it's probably fun for a while. I don't think I've ever really had that opportunity. But I think what we'll find is that eventually we yearn for something greater a power and a purpose outside ourselves. So again, if you believe that happiness will be yours, (laughs) if you can live with yourself as your anchor, you will not experience the blessed happiness that is truly blessed happiness. So those are two insights as to what happiness is not and where it does not come from. So what? What do we do with that information? How do we pursue happiness? Well, I want to circle back to Psalm 1 verse 1. And look at a spiritual insight, I'm just going to quickly touch on this, that the psalmist gives you and me about how to be happy in life. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, underscore the word counsel, or stand in the way of sinners, underscore the word way, or sit in the seat of mockers, underscore the word sit, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on God's law, He or she meditates day and night. I underlined, again, counsel, way, sit. And I want to just take a quick look at those three terms, those three words. The word counsel refers to our thoughts. You go to counseling. You and I share with the counselor. This is what I'm thinking. The counselor helps us clarify what we're saying and what we're thinking and helps us understand our thought process. That's one of the things the counselor helps us do to get in touch with that. And so, where are you going to have your thoughts shaped? The counsel of the, the wicked? Is that what we're listening to or meditating on God's word? One of the ways that you and I can find happiness is to watch how we think and to watch where our thoughts are formed, our opinions are formed, because we know that refers, <laughs> that ultimately informs our actions. So, the counsel of the wicked. Watch our thoughts. The second word that I underline is the word way. The word way refers to our actions, our lifestyle. What are your daily activities? What are your patterns? What are your habits? I'm asking myself the same question because I think what the psalmist is saying is watch our daily patterns. Watch how we live. Watch the way we walk. Who are we associating with? What are we spending our time doing? And I think we'll find happiness when it, again, is rooted in God. I know that sounds simple to say, but I think that's just what he's saying. And then the last is the word sit. In Hebrew culture, y'all, where one sat identified that person. It identified where they belonged in society. Men sat with men. Women sat with women. Children sat with children. The elderly sat with the elderly. The rich sat with the rich. The poor sat with the poor. The religious sat with the religious. In other words, that was their identity. And so he's saying, who are you identifying yourself with? Those who are mockers or those who delight in God? Again, watch the way you think. Watch the way you live, your actions, and watch your identity. Where are all those things rooted? As we close, on Thursday I was doing my morning devotional and, and came upon Psalm 81. That was the subject of the devotional. I love when God does this because Thursday mornings are when I write my sermons Someday I'll tell you that story. And so uh, it's almost like God every Thursday morning gives me a really fresh insight. And I love Psalm 81, where the author of the devotional says, God in the psalm tells his people, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Ooh, open your mouth and I'll fill it. What's the context of that? Well, the context, if you read the rest of the psalm, is the book of Numbers, where we learn that God established Festivals on certain days, the day of the new moon, the day of the full moon, would be two of the festivals. They were days to worship. They were days to enjoy a feast and to make a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. It was a regular, routine time of worship that reminded the people that God was their provider and they should give them thanks, or give Him thanks. And so a priest would read from the Torah, the law, and then someone would read from a psalm, often. Between Psalm 113 and 118, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. What happened there was on a routine basis, they let God shape their thoughts, they let God shape their actions, and they reinforced their identity through that time of worship. You and I are looking for a lot of ways to make ourselves happy. Give ourselves a self-confidence boost. Learn to feel better about ourselves. Make positive memories, and the list goes on and on. The psalmist reminds us, let's circle back. If you and I are relying on our circumstances to make us happy, we will not be. If we are relying on ourself as our anchor in life to make us happy and do whatever we want to do, we will not be. No, we will find happiness when essentially we walk in the counsel of God and we stand in His way and we sit, sit in the seat of the Lord And let Him shape our thoughts and shape our actions and shape our identity. And then in spite of our situation, in spite of whatever season it is in life, we will find great joy in knowing Him. I've gone a little long today and I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll be better next time. You have a great week. Bye for now.